Good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome back, and welcome to Harvard Divinity School. It is really one of the great uh, joys of our year uh, to spend this day with all of you, uh, and I hope uh, you're enjoying every moment of it. Uh, this panel is about our degree programs. Uh, so there are four of us here. Oh, I didn't introduce myself, did I? I'm Dan McCannon. Uh, right now, I'm playing the role of Acting Associate Dean uh, for Faculty and Academic Affairs. Uh, and in that capacity, I'll be convening this panel. In a few minutes, I'll be uh, wearing my other hat as chair of the MTS committee. Uh, so there are four of us here today who will talk about uh, the four uh, degrees that we're involved in teaching here at the Divinity School. Uh, and we'll uh, talk fairly briefly about each of those to leave a fair bit of open-ended time at the end uh, for questions. Uh, so the first speaker uh, will be Dudley Rose, who is the Associate Dean for Ministry Studies and Lecturer on Ministry, and he will be talking about our Master of Divinity program. Dudley. Thank you very much, Dan, and let me add my welcome to uh, Dan's. It's always a great thing to see students who are aspiring to uh, apply to Harvard Divinity School. We hope all of you will, and uh, we hope today helps you make um, good decisions in that regard. The Master of Divinity program here is a, is a uh, explicitly multi-religious program. Uh, it works at the intersection of the academic study of religion and the practices of religious communities, um, intersections of the past and present, the classroom study and field education, and the convictions and practices of religious traditions. We have uh, stated five goals of the MDiv program, which I would like to share with you. These are goals that we publicize and on which we are assessed by uh, our accrediting agencies, so they're important to both you and us. Um, demonstrate the capacity and tools. This is what we expect you will be able to do. To demonstrate the capacity and tools to analytically address and critically confront issues of social justice and structured forms of violence in our society. Engage the sacred text and the histories, theologies, and practices of your traditions, as well as the multi-religious and multicultural contexts in which they practice uh, their ministries or your ministries with critical generosity and respect. Demonstrate understanding of ministry as a practical, uh, as a practice that emerges from a rich intellectual life brought to bear upon the needs and hopes of the world, which integrates diverse academic spiritual and so, social cultural resources. Demonstrate the capacity to lead and cultivate communities in ways that build deep spiritual, intellectual, and ethical bonds. And demonstrate the capacity to practice ministry in ways that are attuned to and cultivate surprising, unexpected, and creative ingenuity. So we want you to be trained in 
your tradition and be imaginative as well. And we're looking forward to helping you do that. To do uh, all of this, uh, it's a three-year, uh, generally full-time program, four courses per term, 24 courses overall. Most of our requirements are distribution requirements. Uh, we don't have a lockstep MDiv program, partly because it is so varied, as I'll say a word about in just a moment. But we do have a couple of introductory courses that are required of each student, an introduction to the study, uh, to, excuse me, introduction to ministry studies. And that course, we look at accounts of ministry in various traditions, uh, not to try to uh, be a, a recipe for ministry in any of those, but for you to encounter them from whatever tradition you are in uh, as you read each text. And uh, the introduction to the theories and methods in the study of religion. Each of those are taken in the fall term. The rest of the courses uh, are largely, uh, not entirely, but largely distribution, as I said. Uh, you have to take courses in sacred texts, uh, at least three. You have to take courses in the broad category of histories, theologies, and practices of religious traditions, uh, at least six. And you have to have among those and all the other courses that you take uh, a significant number of courses that are outside of any particular one tradition. Uh, you may mix and match uh, as much as you like in this program, but if you are uh, studying for one particular religious tradition, we're gonna require you to have at least three courses outside of that tradition. We also have a language requirement uh, here uh, that's unusual for some MDiv programs. Three years of study of a language of your choice, but a single language. It can start at any level. So if you are very competent in Greek, you can start at whatever your competency level is, but every student must take three courses in a language irrespective of how many languages you already command. And there is a senior paper capstone uh, project that you get to design that is meant to be uh, cumulative in some way and to be an expression of uh, your thoughts on a particular issue related to your uh, ministry and going forward. Uh, in addition to the course requirements that I've just stated, an overlay onto the program is called Arts of Ministry. And we expect that the Arts of Ministry will be engaged in uh, any number of your courses. Uh, so courses can count, of course, for history, theologies, and practices, as well as for some of the Arts of Ministry, which often are practices. Um, and uh, in addition to taking courses in Arts of Ministry, we have a requirement of two years or two units of field education. And in field education, you will also gather your experience around several of the arts of ministry. Uh, each student must complete three arts of ministry by addressing an art of ministry in a, in a class and the same art of ministry in a field education. So preaching and worship is one of our arts of ministry. If you uh, work in a church and preach and take a preaching course, you will have fulfilled that art of ministry. There are others like religious education and spiritual development, uh, public policy and planning, uh, and uh, community organizing, uh, administration and program development, religious education, pastoral care and counseling, denominational polity. That they will make much more sense to you later on. I'm not gonna um, bore you with them now. Um, 
you will hear more about field education uh, in a panel that is later today, so I won't say any more about that. So the last thing I will say is that Harvard Divinity School for a very long time has had a diverse program in ministry and we have uh, helped students navigate that by having denominational counselors. And that's an old term, a Christian-derived term, but we actually have uh, Muslim denominational counselors, Buddhist denominational counselors, Jewish denominational counselors, as well as counselors in various traditions. So, uh, excuse me, denominations. So if you are preparing for some form of ministry that um, it will be helpful for you to know uh, the polities, the practices, the ways to find work after you leave, uh, all of those kinds of things, uh, denominational counselors are a big part of what's available to you to guide that work. So I'll stop there and then look forward to your questions. Now I get to introduce myself as chair of the MTS uh, committee. I'm serving as, as associate dean um, only for this one year, uh, while our regular associate dean, Professor Janet Giazzo, is on sabbatical. Uh, but I have a long-term uh, role chairing the MTS committee. Uh, and so now I'll tell you a little bit about the Master of Theological Studies uh, degree. Uh, uh, the overarching purpose of the Master of Theological Studies program is to equip students to be responsible participants in scholarly conversations about religion and responsible members of the community of scholars of religion that includes both academics, people teaching in universities and colleges, and people who bring a sophisticated understanding of religion to careers in public service, the arts, law, medicine, education, and other fields. Uh, um, the degree is structured around four basic goals that give you the tools to be part of that community of scholars. A deep understanding of one tradition or one approach to the study of religion, a broad familiarity with the many traditions and approaches that comprise the study of religion, uh, a capacity to apply multiple theories and methods to specific religious phenomena, and a sensitivity to the social locations and power dynamics that shape people's engagement with religion, both as practitioners and as scholars. Two more degree goals reflect the diverse uh, vocational paths that MTS students take. Uh, many will pursue scholarly careers, in academia, many will take scholarly knowledge out into other fields. Uh, one thing I always like to uh, warn uh, uh, prospective MTS students is that you may think you know now whether you fall in the academic uh, path or the taking a scholarly understanding of religion to other fields path, uh, uh, but you should expect to be surprised uh, over the course of your uh, graduate education, many people discern different uh, career paths during their time with us. To help students achieve the goals of the MTS degree, we've created a curriculum that is characterized by diversity and flexibility. We've identified 18 areas of focus uh, in which students uh, can uh, direct their studies. Uh, there are dozens of courses available at HDS each semester. 
there's only one specific course that everybody in the program has to take, and that's the Introductory Theories and Methods uh, course. Uh, uh, most MTS students take at least some of their courses in other parts of the university, uh, ranging from the Faculty of Arts and Sciences to the Kennedy School to Public Health, Education, you name it. Uh, quite a few take advantage of the opportunity to take courses elsewhere in the Boston area through the Boston Theological Institute. That's the consortium of theological schools in the area that allows free cross-registration. MTS students also have the freedom to take advantage of the opportunities that are present here because we have an MDiv program, such as courses oriented to practices of ministry and field education experiences. MTS students certainly don't have to do those things, uh, but they do have the option. As you think about the MTS, uh, you may be bedazzled by the long list of areas of focus. Uh, some of you may be thinking, I'm interested in all of them. How can I possibly choose? Others of you may be thinking, what I'm most passionate about is not on the list. Does that mean that HDS is not the right place for me? Uh, and to help you think about that, I'll say a little bit about how we came up with our list of areas of focus. In a sense, we looked at our faculty and our course offerings and asked, what are some of the ways that a student could come up with a coherent plan of study? Uh, what are subfields that are broad enough to stretch students, but narrow enough uh, that a student could achieve some degree of mastery uh, in the course of two years? And we identified field after field like that, and we got to 18. Uh, we were worn out and didn't identify anymore. <laughs> uh, so essentially, by identifying an area of focus, we are promising that we offer enough courses and enough faculty support in that area to give you a coherent plan of study. Uh, we're not saying that no other paths are possible. Uh, uh, um, it, it, you have the option of self-designing an area of focus, if you wish, uh, and uh, as long as what you self-design is of kind of comparable breadth uh, to the things on our existing areas of focus. If you're thinking that you might want to self-design an area of focus, if you're one of the people who looks at our list of 18 and says, hmm, I'm not quite sure where I fit here, uh, you should try uh, to talk to me over the course of the day today because I can help you discern whether, oh yeah, that's something that given our faculty resources you absolutely can do here, or perhaps I would say, you know what, um, this is actually an area that's not on the list because we don't have the right uh, resources to support it. Uh, uh, um, other um, faculty members uh, whose interests are close to your own may also be able to help you with that kind of discernment. I should also mention that the area of focus is not a major that appears on your transcript. Uh, and many students find that they really think that what they're doing in slightly different language than the language that we use here. And the curriculum is flexible enough that that's, that's rarely a problem. Uh, uh, I'd like to conclude by saying a little bit about the choice between the MDiv and the MTS degree, because uh, I suspect uh, many of you are on that fence uh, right now. The boundaries between, the structures of the two degrees are pretty different but the boundaries are pretty flexible. Um, most classes that you would take would have large numbers of students in both degree programs. 
when we look at the career paths that our graduates take, we see that they don't sort neatly into, uh, into degrees. Um, many MTS graduates pursue uh, professional careers in academia, but quite a few MDiv graduates also wind up taking the academic path. Uh, uh, many MDiv graduates uh, pursue careers in professional ministry, uh, but some MTS graduates do that as well. Uh, uh, the largest cluster of our graduates, about 40% of the total, pursue careers in fields other than professional ministry or academia, and those folks are evenly split uh, between the two degree programs. Uh, uh, so for some of you, the choice between the degrees is going to be obvious. Uh, uh, for others of you, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take some discernment, and uh, a good way to do that discernment is to talk to current students, try to get a sense of where uh, you fit in, um, uh, to talk to professors. Uh, some of you will arrive uh, um, as new students uh, in the fall still involved in that discernment process. It is not automatic to be able to switch degrees after you begin, um, but uh, it is certainly possible. So don't, don't drive yourself crazy uh, trying to make sure you need to find the perfect uh, solution. Uh, in many cases, you'll want to just follow your gut uh, in deciding where to apply. Okay, and uh, next on my list is our registrar, Annie Russell, who will be uh, talking about the THM degree. Thanks, Dan. Um, and I'd like to add my welcome to all of you here today. Um, uh, I, will, I, I will put in a little pitch and add that the registrar's office will have open office hours this afternoon. So if there are questions that come up for you after this panel that um, you, th that you uh, would like to discuss um, between uh, 2 and 4 p.m., um, I'll be holding all open office hours. Um, I will just speak briefly about um, the THM Master of Theology program. This is a little bit more specialized of a program in that it is a one-year degree program, and it is intended for um, advanced study uh, for people who already hold a, an MDiv degree. Many, and, and the reasons that someone may do a THM are as varied as the individuals themselves because uh, each person uh, brings to the table their own particular goals and interests. Um, some examples would be someone who has been in professional ministry for a while and is really wanting to deepen or broaden their knowledge about a particular uh, area of uh, religious studies. Maybe they want to deepen and broaden their knowledge about an aspect of New Testament studies or about um, 
histories um, or maybe wants to learn about another tradition. Um, some, some people pursue the THM in order to, um, although this is not a goal of the program, some people um, do utilize the resources of the THM in order to, um, to deepen their knowledge in a particular area with the thought of perhaps applying towards further academic study. Like the MTS program, it, there's a parallel between the THM and the MTS in the sense that um, there are also 18 areas of focus. So someone who comes into this program has the same resources in terms of, of where they would like to study. Um, there is no, um, there is, there are no required courses. However, um, a student must complete their program of study um, in a year um, and complete uh, complete at least eight courses. Um, there is a language requirement that parallels the language requirement in the MTS program. And the addition is um, an oral examination, um, which can be based upon um, research that is, that is uh, developed in the course, in coursework in the program. Um, and a student would work with a specific academic advisor, would have um, an oral examination on the basis of that work that um, before a committee of faculty chaired by their academic advisor. Um, it is, uh, as I said, it is a, it is a one-year program, and it is, it is um, a little more narrowly focused and targeted, but also has within it that um, the flexibility and the breadth um, to, enable, um, to enable study across a, a wide range of interests in religious studies. Thank you. And finally, uh, Professor Laura Nasrallah, who is Professor of New Testament and Early Christianity, uh, will speak and is Chair of the Doctoral Subcommittee, uh, will speak on the PhD program in religion. I'm really happy to see you all today. Um, I have to say that one of the absolute joys of teaching here is you all and the knowledge that you bring to our classrooms how much we as a faculty kind of expand our own range and our own intellectual happiness in your presence. So I, I really hope you do take us seriously as a place where you might want to study because we want to learn from you as well. So I'm here to talk about the doctoral program. A brief correction, I am not the only chair. I am, along with Malika Zagal, who's in the Faculty of Arts and Sciences housed in the Near Eastern Studies and uh, uh, Near Eastern Languages and Civilizations Department, part of um, administering the doctoral program under the chairmanship of Amy Hollywood, professor here. So I want to talk to you about the doctoral programs, not because you're probably thinking at this moment of the doctoral programs, but just to add a seed for your future thought. 
many MTS and MDiv students come in thinking, well, perhaps this is something that I will consider in my future. And there is no immediate trajectory from our master's programs into our doctoral programs. So I wanted you to have that seed in your mind already so that as you enter one of our master's programs, you will immediately turn to talk with your advisor to get advice on whether or not this might be a good future path for you. You will immediately start to think about how to craft your coursework both towards the aims of a particular subfield of doctoral study and towards that kind of exciting risk taking of a future academic and intellectual life. So just to get that in your head. Let me talk to you a little bit about the nuts and bolts of our doctoral program. It's administered by the Graduate School of Arts and Sciences by a program called the Committee on the Study of Religion, which is functionally our Department of Religion at Harvard and which is staffed by many members of the Divinity School faculty, as well as members of the Faculty of Arts and Sciences. I think you probably already have a sense that our areas of focus like gremlins multiply, uh, so too in the doctoral program. So you might come in considering doing, uh, might apply considering doing a program in religion, gender, and culture, the first uh, in the States, uh, in New Testament, early, early Christianity, in comparative theology, in Buddhism, in history of Christianity, in Judaism, in Hebrew Bible, religion, and society, philosophy of religion. Okay, you can imagine the proliferation of programs that we have available for you. Why do people do doctoral work? It's a rough job market, so if you're not thinking about it, you might be a wise person. If you feel absolutely <laughs> compelled to think about it, sit with that for a while and let me talk to you about some of the things that people go out and do. I would say that the majority of our students, our aim for them and their aim for themselves is to go into tenure track jobs in colleges and universities, seminaries, divinity schools, teaching and doing research. However, there are other people who have gone out to do really wonderful things with their doctorates. I'll name a few. One of our doctoral uh, students who does also teach at a seminary has gone on to be an advisor to um, John Kerry in terms of foreign relations and religion. That's a really wonderful thing. It's not a job prospect that's out there for a lot of people, but we're very proud of that. I think of another of our graduates, Stephanie May, who is a pastor at a Unitarian Universalist church in the Boston area and also uh, does that ministry work fueled by her dissertation and the academic study that she did in the doctoral program, another graduate of ours who's the director of the Boston Theological Institute right now. So while tenure track jobs are the majority, there are other ways of capaciously thinking about using doctoral work. We talk briefly about the program. Ideally, it should be five years, often it's seven, and we won't talk about other alternatives. <laughs> what do you do in your program? For the first two years, you will be engaged in coursework. There are two required courses, Religion 2001, 2002 right now, which are intended in part to build a cohort so that you come in with a community of about 12 people. You might be studying Buddhism and someone else might be studying Islam and you're going to find some common ground for thinking about what are the theories, the methods in the study of religion, for forming yourself in a kind of intellectual community that you will then hopefully take out into your professional life teaching as well. In the third year, one takes general examinations in one specific subfield. In years four and five, one generally is engaged in dissertation writing, four or five and beyond, in writing that sort of first book project uh, in, in draft form. In addition, there are opportunities to fund yourself through teaching fellowships. So we try very hard to be training uh, teachers and communicators, even as you're doing your own research and study. You can go onto the webpage and see more details. The doctoral program is extremely competitive and it's also fully 
funded, including a stipend. It doesn't mean you'll be buying a car. You'll probably be eating beans. But we try to, you know, kind of treat our um, treat our doctoral students uh, with the professional dignity as they are our colleagues in the making. I'd love to get any questions afterwards. Thank you. Okay, at this point, uh, we are open for questions. Uh, um, we will have people running around with microphones, so please do wait until you have a microphone, and then you can direct the question to any or all of us here at the table. Dean Rose, um, could you speak a little bit more about um, what is included in the uh, in ministry? Um, mm -hmm. And then this, to give some context, and then this might be a little bit broader, but quick question. I'm LDS, and mm -hmm. so the idea of ministry is kind of different uh, for me. So just again, curious the the breadth of ministry, and then the quicker question: Who could I talk to about? The potential for LDS theological studies here. And that might be for President. Um, yeah, let me take the. I, I think I think it is working now. Uh, you can all hear me, all right. Uh, let me take the first question. We can uh, construe ministry quite broadly here. Uh, in our current MDiv cohort, about uh, or graduating cohort, about 20% will go into. Uh, ordained ministry, about 20% into chaplaincy, another 20% into uh, doctoral work, and we consider education as one of the forms of ministry. Um, and then it gets very broad from there into public service uh, positions, into para uh, tradition positions where you might work uh, for, uh, say, uh, the Latter-day Saints, but not in, a, in an ordained position, but something where theological education would inform that. Uh, it might be in uh, direct service, it might be in, in public uh, uh, advocacy, other kinds of public policy positions. People go uh, often into um, uh, high school uh, and college chaplaincies, prison chaplaincies, uh, sometimes military chaplaincies. So it's a very uh, broad, and, and we have many who then go on into other professional fields, law, medicine, um, and so on, being again informed by their theological studies. Okay, and did you want to? I would just add that we do have a good, a good cohort of current students um, from the LDS tradition. Some folks in the admissions office may be able to help you connect with uh, some of those people. And uh, Professor David Holland uh, may have some advice. And I know that he is one of the people who will be hosting a table at lunch today. Good morning. This is not really a question, but I would like to talk to Professor Nashrella about uh, Luke's writings to Theophilus. So hopefully <laughs> sometime later on today we can talk. Thank you so much. So Luke's writings to Theophilus, maybe something not so interesting to all of you. So maybe can we shoot an email back and forth or find a time to talk by phone? Thank you. Hi, uh, my question is for uh, Dean Rose. Also, um, regarding arts of ministry, you mentioned different, not, not tracks, but the different types of um, 
arts of ministry. Could mm -hmm. you talk a little bit more of about um, which those are and what the difference in requirements in terms of um, people pursuing an MDiv for ordained ministry and, and people um, just doing the, the regular MDiv mm -hmm. and what's required of each in terms of arts of ministry? Okay. Thank you, that's a very good question. Um, the, the arts of ministry, in some sense, like the MDiv itself, and the definition of ministry is very, very broad. So we have a category uh, that sounds very much like, uh, and, we, and we've on purpose kept some of these old categories and then tried to expand them rather than uh, renaming them. So take preaching and or worship, which sounds very much like an ordained preparation, but we have students who are Buddhists who will be doing uh, Dharma talks. Uh, we have folks who uh, will be in other uh, places uh, where they will be speaking in such a way that they may be able to use an art of ministry in preaching and worship, though they're not going to be uh, in professional religious leadership. Uh, Religious education is a similar uh, category. It sounds all like leading Sunday school, uh, but uh, it can include all kinds of education that one might do, whether it's in prisons and other institutions where you're bringing to bear the work that you're learning in classroom uh, in your degree program here uh, on work that you're doing in ministry. Uh, the other is pastoral care and counseling. Again, it sounds it can be parish-oriented. We have a lot of folks who go into chaplaincy and will take a number of courses in pastoral care and counseling and will work in hospitals and hospices and on campuses and in prisons and those kinds of things. Um, the uh, public leadership is, is by its very nature a broad art of ministry. That one doesn't really sound like it, it uh, uh, belongs in the church. Administration and program development is also a very broad one for folks who are um, going to have to administer uh, programs, administer organizations. Uh, this is one that I have a particular uh, uh, passion for, not so much uh, uh, a passion because I, I love it to death, uh, but because I hate it to death when people go into organizations <laughs> and don't know how to administer them, right? So that, that and it leads to all kinds of diff uh, difficulties. The one that is probably most based in uh, religious leadership is denominational polity because that usually applies to a particular uh, tradition that a, that a student understands the governance, uh, the way in which it's structured and, and so on. And that uh, we have courses in uh, Buddhist polity and Muslim polity and Jewish polity. So it's beyond the Christian nexus or Unitarian nexus, but it, it, um, it still is tradition based. Each of these arts of ministry therefore are, are broad and you get a chance to decide in a particular class or in, um, let's take a class for a moment. Uh, some classes are designated to meet arts of ministry. Often the meeting of those are very broad and you can have, uh, negotiate with a faculty member for designating a course in your work in it for an art of ministry that may be something none of us have even thought of. Uh, and similarly, in your field education uh, experience, you'll designate arts of ministry for the, for the work that you'll develop around a learning agreement. And again, you have a lot of latitude in figuring out how I'm understanding preaching and worship or how I'm understanding religious <coughs> education. Does that get at what you were asking? 
Can I give a further example? I know I'm total yeah. interloper, but I thought no. I'd give an example from one of the classes I do of a student that I found who did a wonderful project. So for my Letters of Paul course, about the history of the Letters of the Apostle Paul, uh, I do, I allow arts of ministry and religious education. And a student was doing uh, field education work in prisons. And so for her extra project for that course, she developed a syllabus around the idea of teaching in prisons, a course on letters from prison, using the letters of Paul, using Bonhoeffer, using Malcolm X, using Martin Luther King Jr. So she annotated that syllabus, and then she went off to actually be hired to teach it during mm -hmm. the summer. So that was a really wonderful moment for me to learn from her and for her to get something really practical out of the broader course, to fulfill the broader coursework, but also to get a little component that she, a large component that she then took out into her career. I'd also like to chime in on one aspect of this. If you are uh, pursuing ordination in a specific tradition, it will, in most cases, be fairly easy uh, uh, for you to line up our requirements with the requirements of your tradition, but only if you do so consciously. Uh, <laughs> so it is really important if, you know, if you're admitted and are in that situation to get those denominational expectations in your hands during the summer before you arrive and to bring them uh, to your first advising meeting and kind of work through with your advisor how you'll make those requirements and our requirements line up. Okay. Um, thank you all, first. Um, also, I, I kind of have two questions. Um, firstly, is the, is the field education something that's usually done um, over the summer or concurrently during the semester with, with coursework? And secondly, I'm wondering if one of you could speak to the um, Buddhist ministry initiative and how it's unique and how it fits into the curricula and the other sort of arts of ministry studies. Let me at least uh, start <laughs> and uh, remind me of the first question again. Um, how, whether the field study We require two units or two years of field education, one of which must be concurrent with uh, a year of academic study. The other uh, can be in the summer, uh, sometimes even an, uh, an internship uh, by taking uh, time away from school. Uh, many students do more than those two, uh, and that's perfectly allowed. Uh, typically, uh, well, there isn't typical, because what we find is about half of our incoming students do field education in their first year and half don't. And so it's, it's very much up to you when you begin that. Um, and Emily Click, who is the uh, assistant dean and director of field education, will talk a lot more about that at the um, panel on field, field education a little later, but uh, that gives you at least a, a, a brief thing. Uh, since I chair the Buddhist Ministry Committee, I, I'll start. Uh, I don't uh, corner the market on knowledge of it, uh, but this is an, uh, an initiative, and we've chosen that word carefully to indicate that it is, we don't think of the MDiv program as a bunch of tracks or silos. Uh, as an MDiv student, whether you uh, consider yourself Buddhist or Latter-day Saint or uh, uh, evangelical, you will be in, this, in many of the same classes in the same Introduction to Ministry Studies class. What changes is that you then get to choose scriptures, histories, theologies, and practices that, and language that will 
help you prepare in the tradition that you're preparing for, in this case, in Buddhism. So you might be taking Sanskrit or Pali as your, as your language. You might be doing uh, courses in the suttas uh, for scripture and, and so on. So, you, so the, we, we try to do this dance where we have one MDiv program with one coherent understanding of it, but allows the capaciousness for people to pursue it in very particular ways uh, in terms of coursework to prepare for specific ministries. Did I give you, yeah. I don't know if others wanna. That's good. Hi, this, uh, this um, question is for Professor Nasrallah. Nasrallah, that's, that's pronounced yeah, right? Okay. You. My name is Ayo, I'm from uh, New Orleans, and um, my area is Afro-Caribbean religions. And I'm looking at the PhD, and I know she's at five years, it's a five-year program, but I'm wondering, you know, can, is it flexible enough to add in a couple years of field work um, in that process? I'm just wondering about the field work piece. Yeah, five, five years is the pipe dream. Um, and <laughs> I would say that, that many of our students who are doing very language-intensive programs or many of our students who need to do field work, and it sounds like that is what you are talking about, will need to take additional time and will enjoy taking additional time to do that. And I think in particular on our faculty, if someone you might want to talk with, um, Professor Aisha Beliso de Jesus, who could give you more information in addition, professors Michael Jackson and uh, Marla Frederick in the Committee on the Study of Religion and Afro-Am also do a lot of field work on their own and might be able to give you good advice on how to both enjoy that, do it, and make it uh, efficient. Hi, um, I was wondering um, in the graduate programs, what sort of opportunities there are uh, for independent coursework or independent research for students to participate with the faculty? Oh yeah, that's a really great question uh, that um, we should have addressed earlier. Um, uh, so there's lots of opportunities uh, to pursue a particular topic in depth. Uh, so um, we have in the curriculum what we just call reading and research courses. Uh, you have to persuade a faculty mentor to work with you on a reading research course, but that's usually uh, possible. Uh, sometimes you can arrange a reading and research course to lean very heavily on reading if it's a, you know, a topic that's new to you but not in our curriculum. Sometimes you can arrange it to essentially be an in-depth research uh, project under their supervision. Uh, MDiv students are required uh, to do uh, a, uh, a summative project at the end. Um, uh, they're assigned to a faculty mentor and a group of peers uh, um, to walk with them in, um, in writing their uh, senior essay. Uh, there is no um, uh, thesis requirement on the MTS side, mostly because uh, we want uh, to allow for maximum flexibility. Uh, but if you find that writing a, completing a major research project would be in a helpful part of your MTS degree, you can actually absolutely you know arrange to do that as a reading and research course, even as two reading and research courses, if you wish, uh, and um, and you can tell the world that that thing is your master's thesis, and that's that's totally uh, appropriate and acceptable. Hi. 
just would like to know if the MTS program requires any language experience, and if so, how many? Yes, I neglected to say that. So, uh, so the MTS language requirement is an intermediate reading competency requirement. There are a number of different ways you can achieve uh, uh, that level of competence. Uh, um, you can achieve it by a test. Uh, you can achieve it uh, through coursework. You can achieve it through some combination. Uh, the rules are slightly different uh, for each language. Uh, so uh, it is, uh, to kind of get at the details, you would need to look at the student handbook, um, uh, which I think is also available online. Uh, but absolutely, there is the expectation that all MTS students demonstrate that intermediate competence in a language that's relevant uh, to what they're studying. So that's a little different from the MDiv side, where it's three courses, uh, but not a specific level of competency specified. And the MTS is generally flexible enough um, that students who, because of their larger aspirations, need to be engaging two languages during their time here, are, are usually able to make that work, although it is tight and it definitely involves some uh, careful thinking with your advisor. Hi, this is mostly for Professor McCannon, but others, I would welcome answers from others as well. Um, you mentioned that uh, students in the MTS program often take, uh, or sometimes take, the sophisticated knowledge of religion they gain uh, to the arts. And I was wondering uh, what interactions the various programs have with the, I have a theater background, but with the world of, of the arts in, in general. Yeah, I mean, we've definitely had uh, a couple of uh, student-produced theatrical productions uh, here, you know, over the years for people who uh, are working on that. On, uh, on, you know, there's definitely, you know, a good number of successful novelists and, you know, other artistic professionals in our alumni community. One of the things that our alumni office does that's a really great resource is it maintains a database of uh, uh, taped interviews with alums in many different fields, uh, and that is a good way to do some of that networking uh, around integrating your study of religion with your artistic practice. Uh, I, others have anything you'd like to... Uh, I, I would just add that uh, because you're studying at, at the university, you have uh, the possibility of working with faculty across the university in coursework or in projects. We, we currently have now, for instance, in the doctoral program, a student uh, who, whose concentration is in Buddhism but is also a filmmaker and is working that filmmaking into her uh, doctoral work. So that there's lots of opportunity for that, uh, that kind of interchange with um, other faculties. Great. Actually, just, just to follow up, because I am interested in the Buddhist um, focus, but, but as in coming as a professor and, and interdisciplinary artist, and I noticed in your bio that there was, you had, uh, Dean Rose, an interest in digital technology as it relates to various religious communities. And, and I'm wondering if you could say more as an artist who is um, you know, involved in installation and narrative uh, mixed media. Okay. Um, 
that part of my bio uh, needs to be read with caution. <laughs> um, I came to that partly out of uh, the realization that in congregational ministries, understanding social media, other kinds of media uh, for uh, worship and other things is very, very important. Uh, so I, re I will be teaching this spring, for example, a course called Ministry in the Digital Age. And it began as a course that was more in line with what I just said. It has now turned into a seminar course uh, that uh, follows more of what Laura said early on, is I learn from my students. And, uh, and we actually try to design that course uh, together. Uh, and so rather than me pretending that I have a lot of all the expertise, we do actually also bring in uh, people via video conferencing and, and all who are doing things in the, in those areas. So that, that there's plenty of opportunity, and and in, in in a course like that, you'd get to help design some of the uh, how it went. Okay. Uh, well, thank you so much, and I know you've got a packed schedule, so we'll give you a 10-minute break.